your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, the official podcast of Off Tackle Empire, your source for absolutely everything Big Ten football. And it's it's kind of still in the Big Ten, even though it refuses to culturally assimilate. But uh, yeah, we're of course talking about Penn State. Um, we we would have taken Pittsburgh, I'm not going to lie. It's a lot more Midwestern. Well, sure. I mean, when you say we, it's like we were involved in this decision when it happened when I was a toddler and you were an infant. So it's water under the bridge. They're in the conference now. They're not going to do better anywhere else. I like having them here, even though they can be a bit much sometimes. Um, I don't think the conference is, I mean, look, would Pitt be what it is now if it had taken Penn State's place in the Big Ten? I don't know. Would Penn State still be what it is? Who can say? They'd probably be in the ACC by now. Um, so I'd rather you, go to Pittsburgh than Happy Valley. Now. What? I'd rather go to Pittsburgh than Happy Valley, like for road game. Yeah, for sure. Although there was there was something interesting about going there because it really like it's the attraction. It feels a lot more like going to. It's more like going to a holy site than going to a city, if that makes sense. Well, no, I mean, I've, I've been to I've been to NASCAR tracks. Those are out in the middle of nowhere. And that's the only reason that you would ever go to that particular place. Right. Same it's the same thing. Yeah. Because there's there's no good food or like there's no dairy or ice cream or anything of note in Penn State either. I don't think. Absolutely I, I, not. Whereas it's never come up. So what a tale of two seasons last year for Penn State, though. You go from an. 0-5 start to a 5-5 and finish. Could not have flipped the script more dramatically on their tail of the season. <laughs> that notwithstanding, notwithstanding the fact that they showed pretty considerable improvement over the year, they still cut bait with their offensive coordinator after one year. And we mentioned this, I think, in the context of the Minnesota preview, which was, you know, your offensive coordinator gets hired away by an in-conference rival. And then after a year, they're like, no, I don't want to play with this toy anymore. Yeah, this guy sucks. And they throw it in the dumpster. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, he's available if they want him back. I guess. I didn't think to look where he ended up landing or if he's got a job at the moment. This That's the kind of thing where you usually take a year to regroup, you know, say that you want to get closer to your family. And then like two months into it, because you're a football coach, you're like, God damn, I hate spending time with my family. Why can't <laughs> yeah. I just get back out there and recruit? So... Anyway, he'll have another job shortly if he doesn't if he doesn't at the moment. Because again, couldn't be bothered to check. Not of interest to me. So they throw the keys to Mike Yursich after a season. Uh, that's a guy with long standing ties to this program. I think he was at Michigan at one point, or am I thinking of somebody else? Ohio State. Okay, yeah. Ohio. So anyway, now the good has, the good one has the establishment has the connections there that you want. Um, maybe the understated story of the draft declaration slash taking free year thing is that Jahan Dotson is returning for Penn State. They, he passed on the draft. And I found that very surprising given that he basically spent all last year putting together draft film as kind yeah, of the only go to as kind of their only guy they could go to, really. Right. And, and, the, and the thing is, he's not going to get 
much attention at all because the Big Ten does have an excellent wide receiver class this year. And the thing that all the national writers doing, not that they're not justified to do this because they are very good players, but it's just too, it's just catnip for preview writers to just throw Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave in there as the first team all conference receivers. And then maybe you're like, oh, I can prove my knowledge. I'm going to throw David Bell in here too. And again, those are all excellent players. Perhaps more proof that the Big Ten's wide receiver group could be as good next year as it's been in several. Um, because you've got those guys, you've got Dotson, you have Freifold Gold, Indiana. Um, there's, a, there's other candidates to fit into that same fraternity, but I think that I don't think I'm missing any of the truly elite. Well, I mean, or maybe he's just doing it for the love of the game. I mean, he already played Illinois, you know, like what, what's he going to put up another? Well, I, I'm, I assume he had a game against us. They scored like 63 points or something. <laughs> Everybody had a game against us. Yeah, well, that, with that that Illinois Penn State game, they just had to tack on to the schedule as an undercard to the uh, the X game. Uh, I, I don't understand why that game got played, but anyway, that's um, that's easily their their biggest weapon on offense. But you wonder uh, if he's going to be able to thrive with the extra attention he'll get for sure this year. Yeah, they'll miss Pat Fryermuth as a guy who can both stretch the field down you know, the vertical passing game a little bit and is also a reliable seam option, but it's not like he was a one man show in their passing game last year. Um, Parker Washington emerged as kind of a nice secondary option out wide. Um, they're presumably going to use a little bit more of their running backs. I, I think, I, I think their offense is going to be a little bit more running oriented, but I guess we'll see how that, plays out because yeah beyond those two guys the stats do drop off a little bit um you would think well, i mean they wanted to be running oriented last year they just couldn't do it yeah you would you think about opportunities for guys like keandre lambert smith and daniel george who both had their moments but pretty low volume um you would think with fryer gone do they continue to try to look for a big play giant tight end like that brenton strange got involved a bit last year i think he's back i'm pretty sure he's back uh, whether he is or not, though, they I guess they've got plenty of options. Um, they've always been, but they really have also been a passing game that tends to lean heavily on their top guys. Right. You think back with K.J. Hamler and then previously with guys like Chris Godwin and Deshaun Hamilton, the top options in James Franklin's passing games have been very top options. Lots and lots of targets, um, big time receptions and receiving yards so wouldn't be too surprising if you still if you see Dotson and Washington dominate the targets for them this year at least until they discover their next tight end they were talking about the caliber receiver that you'd have to basically be Mitch Trubisky to not hit 10 times a game in the NFL yeah like like an Allen Robinson so (laughs) (laughs) um We'll talk now about portal acquisitions a little bit. They turn to it more than they usually do. I mean, in a typical season, their high school recruiting is strong enough that they haven't seemed to have much of an inclination to go that route. Well, and also it seems that when you talk about Penn State and the portal, uh, you talk more of the taketh away than the giveth with them. That's true. Yeah, they have lost some very – I mean, think about Justin Shorter, for example. Um, Oh, like all of their running backs last year. Yeah, Ricky Slade, a ton of – Top shelf talent, very visible names. 
that have shown up, but not finding roles immediately moved on. Well, that's the reality. The transfer portal is going to become a bigger part of these programs. <laughs> if you're recruiting on the national title level, then you're going to be recruiting guys that are going to want to play. Yeah. And guys that are going to be less willing to wait now that they don't have to wait a year. And if you're Alabama and you're Clemson and you're Ohio state and you've won the national title, you've been a fixture in the playoffs then it's a lot easier of a sell to have that five-star on your bench for three years. You know, you've seen what Najee Harris did in, as an upperclassman. It's a lot right. easier of a sell than when you're Penn State, who's had just nowhere near that level of success, which is not to say that it's that they haven't had plenty of success. It's just that's not the kind of success that produces 10 first-rounders in one year or whatever Ohio State had. Right. And or so- Alabama had. I don't know. All of those three. In terms of their contributors from the portal, then you could easily see John Dixon starting at corner. They picked him up from South Carolina. They could also have Arnold Ebiketti uh, playing at defensive end a lot because they lose Shaka Tony and Jason Owe up front. So those are the guys who I think are in best position to start. They have another interesting piece in John Lovett from Baylor, who comes into a running back room that really should be pretty well set because they've because the injuries they had to play so many younger guys last year, they're still going to have Devin Ford, Noah Kane, Kaziah Holmes, um, Kevon Lee. Presumably they bring a guy like Lovett in as kind of a veteran leader. I don't know how much you're actually going to see him. Uh, but this overall, I do think even with Friar move gone that I would buy low on this Penn state offense if given the chance, because really the, the one thing that they only sort of found a solution for was quarterback where they continued to rotate Sean Clifford and Will Levis pretty heavily through the end of the season. Um, and it, I think it sort of diminished both of their effectiveness. They found a little bit of a rhythm that worked again, those last few games, but it's still, there's still a lot of talent at the skill positions. The offensive line I think is underratedly good. Um, Walker at left tackle is a guy you're probably going to see in the first couple rounds of the draft next year. If they can get more reliable ball security from the quarterback, this offense should be cooking. Now it was Devin Ford that scored the ill-advised touchdown, right? Against Indiana. Um, what a weird situation to be in because I guarantee you for the rest of his football career, if he goes on to play 15 years in the NFL he will never find himself in that situation again, but he'll right. think about it every single game. He'll think about if I'm in that situation, I've got to go down and it'll never happen to him again. Because I mean, I remember all three of the times that that's happened because it happens so infrequently. Yeah. So what it'll be is like every, every carry he gets from, you know, goal to go, <laughs> presumably after look at, look at the clock lining up. In his, in his pre-snap checklist, he's like, all right, shit, am I trying to score on this play? Yes, yes, of course. I'm trying to score basically all the time. Just because of that, that one time, like, that doesn't mean I should. So, um, uh. Until the moment he forgets to do that check. And then, as a somehow 36-year-old NFL back with, you know, climbing up the all-time yardage list near Frank Gore, he scores an ill-advised touchdown that contributes to a loss <laughs> right so uh all right defensively you know penn state has some guys that are lesser known names but pretty quality players i would expect to see a big season from brandon smith for example this is a former elite you know top 20 national type of prospect a guy who finally figures to play 
I believe Jaquan Brisker is still there in the back end at safety for them. He's been, he's been quietly excellent. So they, they're going to be okay on the back end. They're going to need to find some guys up front. Um, they did have a few transfers out as well, but again, as we've talked about, that's going to happen. So um, Penn state doesn't really have anybody that's going to be stepping into a starting role that you've really heard them talk about as far as front seven is concerned, because with this less outgoing group of players, you heard them being talked up before they were in the starting lineup during redshirt years and such. Yeah. Well, and you know, normally we'd be talking about um, them losing Micah Parsons as well, but of course he opted out. So they were without him last season, but that would have been the big off season departure for them this year. I mean, if you want to talk about losing Parsons and Owe and, um, and Tony all in the same season, that would have been a huge turnover in the front seven. They kind of had to move on to life without Micah Parsons one season ahead of schedule anyway. Um, uh, you got to feel like they beat Nebraska with Micah Parsons. Yeah, I think he probably helps. I think he probably helps. Um, so, yeah, it, look, I, if you're a Penn State fan here, I don't know if you're looking at this team and thinking, yeah, we're going to get right back to giving Ohio State a serious run for their money here. But, you know, that being said, even with their 0-5 start last year, they played Ohio State closer than anybody in the conference, at least. Yeah, I mean, you know, before everything, God, they had such a weird season last year. The, yeah. the thing I want to, we've talked about it before, but I almost want to make a graph of this because I don't think anybody's season told us less about the program than Penn State's. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, they were all varying degrees of telling us something. Ohio State's told us things, but we already knew those things. Illinois <laughs> told me things that I didn't want to accept, but strongly suspected. But Penn State, I have no idea what to make of their season. I mean, they could win 11 games. Just pretend it never happened. Still there? Yeah. All right. Yeah, sorry. I thought you dropped off. So. Oh, did I, where did I get cut off? No, it just like mid sentence. It kind of you might have been done. Oh yeah, no, they they could win eleven games and just pretend like it never happened. So, yeah. <laughs> so, how would they win those ten games? Is the question because they have another one of the more interesting. We just talked about Wisconsin last week with an interesting non conference game. Penn State has one as well. Um, it's week three against the Auburn Tigers. You still so, there? Oh yeah. Am I am I not uh are you not hearing me? You're coming and going. All right. So anyway, uh Penn State has not quite as interesting as Notre Dame, but they do have Auburn, which uh finally pulled the trigger and fired Gus Malzahn, uh hire Brian Harson. Yeah, who's gonna be implementing an extremely different style of offense. So even though Auburn on paper might be every bit as talented as Penn State. That's a, that should be a decisive advantage for James Franklin in that game. He's been here long enough. He's got, not only does he have his talent in place, but he's got his systems in place, even with the new offensive coordinator. Um, that's, that's a game that Penn state should win. Um, you recall where Gus ended up by the way? No, no, I don't. UCF where he has taken about oh, five or six power five level transfers, including Isaiah Bowser, but like, Bowser might not even get carries including Joe Milton yeah that 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 too (laughs) that's yeah I'd forgotten about that that is an interesting one 
Yeah, Gus Malzahn is apparently elevating what last chance you means. <laughs> We're not talking Juco anymore. We're talking. <laughs> yeah, well, it's he's kind of just doing the um, the Jim McElwain at Colorado State thing, isn't he? So I think he'll do a little bit better than that. Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm saying like the model works. And if you do that on when you're already sitting on a talent pipeline, the way UCF is, that could be interesting. It's not like, like no, Jim McElwain. Like, yeah, no, Jim McElwain did have a pretty good. I was thinking Mike Bobo, who tried to do the same thing. Tried but failed. To do the same thing unsuccessfully. Yes. Um, so anyway, Penn State schedule. Yes. Auburn is the interesting meat in a very boring non-con sandwich with Ball State and Villanova bread around it. That's weird. I see Villanova and I'm just like, wait, how's that work? Because I just can't picture Villanova as not a basketball team. Well, they're, they're actually a pretty good FCS. Yeah, they, they absolutely are. It's just, it's just so jarring because I think about Villanova football so infrequently yeah. Now, I mean, if you're talking about them as a potential upset threat to Penn State, no, 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 not at all. Now, all that non-conference stuff does come after the season opening trip to Camp Randall. That's a noon kickoff, which will be an interesting, probably the most interesting game of the first week of the Big Ten season. Following the non-con, they host will it be a, in a game big nude kickoff? Um, that's on Fox. So, yeah, I believe it, it will be a huge nude kickoff. They host Indiana um, on the fir- in the first week of October in a game that will feature about 100 replays of the Penix dive. Um, they go to Kinnick after that for a relatively tough crossover game against Iowa. Then they host Illinois. Go to hey, Ohio if State. Illinois has some unlikely success and Fox decides to bring their college game day to, to Beaver Stadium for that one, then it'll be big nude Saturday uh, with Brett Bielema involved. I will definitely commission a drawing for this. Hard pass. Big oh, nude it's a, Saturday. It's, a, it's actually a soft pass now that I conceive of this. <laughs> so, I don't uh, know. He's got one of those very, he, it looks like he has one of those very firm beer guts, you know? Mm. <laughs> anyway, uh, then they end up at Ohio State. Right. The the game that they're looking forward to. The question the first half of the season is, do they get to the Ohio State game in a position to actually challenge them? Or do they stumble earlier such that they're just going to try to harpoon the Buckeyes' title hopes regardless? Um, well, if they get there undefeated, then I, I feel like there's a real chance. Uh, yeah, they're the, sure. their best. They're for sure the stiffest test that Ohio State will face if they come into that game undefeated because they will have beaten Wisconsin on the road and beaten Auburn and Indiana and also at home, but also Iowa on the road. I mean, yeah, that's, so that's, that's that's a pretty good season resume. That's two of the tougher road trips that you have in the conference, certainly in terms of West Division opponents. Um, that's a tough that what should be a tough Indiana team. That's a very talented Auburn team. Yeah, if they get to Ohio State having cleared all those hurdles. I think you'd probably have to give them a chance. Now, of course, we'll find ourselves in that weekend in late October previewing that game and trying to talk ourselves into Penn State having a chance. And we won't be able to do it because, you know, C.J. Stroud or or Jack Miller or whoever will be on his way to a Heisman finalist campaign and the machine will just keep rolling and we're just grist in the middle. 
or you have a situation where they shut out Iowa on the road to go to six and zero, and you know everybody's talking about this huge matchup, this top ten matchup that's looming, just like Wisconsin and and uh, Ohio State in twenty nineteen. <laughs> All they got to do is get a get a little scrimmage in against so goddamn Illinois. You're just hoping Illinois is able to continue successfully vamping with Ohio State's future. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I just want to. I just want to fuck up their strength of schedule. We can't hope to beat them. <laughs> we also don't play them ever. So we tried to last year and they said that they could, but they didn't want to. Dude, that's fine. You should be happy with that outcome. <laughs> I know you think you're going to see that turtle again in your lifetime. Maybe you will once or twice. But look, if, once they get past that Ohio State game, the back end of the schedule, those four divisional games um, in November at Maryland, home against Michigan, home against Rutgers at Michigan state. There's no, uh, there's no team in there. That's a likely loss for Penn state. So do you, do you find a way to pick yourself off, off the mat if you lose the Ohio state game, or does that kind of, does that bad mojo wreck your season the way it did last year? Hard to say, because again, what do you take away from last year that you really think you can apply this year? Probably nothing. It would be, it would be dumb to try to do that. Well, yeah, and they do have the, you know, the first moment that the wheels were visibly coming off was, in fact, against Maryland. So that'll be the the test to see if the wheels are going to come off. They'll go straight to College Park after Ohio State and have to contend with a pretty talented team that will probably be disorganized, but certainly has the upside to at least score with them. Yeah, and as a program views Penn state, I think is its primary target. If that makes sense, like the program you're aiming to take the place of, I kind of get that vibe. I don't know if that, I don't think that's anything that Loxley has said himself directly. I don't think it's really like it's, I don't think it's something their fans say, but I think it's something they feel in, in their bones that that's, because it's the closest thing they can aim at, right? Like Ohio State is kind of fruitless. Yes, I understand yeah. they over time that one time. Congratulations, you did it once, you didn't win. Um, everybody wants to. Everybody wants to be the team that's getting moral victories against Ohio State every year and otherwise beating most people. <laughs> right. Because that's really all you can aspire to at this point. Reach for the stars, as we say. So. <sighs> Going to pivot here to a slightly less cheerful topic, which would be Penn State basketball, because, Oof. man, <clears throat> you know, for a little bit there, until the tournament was canceled in 2020, I really thought Pat Chambers was going to be the guy to put it all together for Penn State hoops. And who knows what might have happened if they had gone to that tournament Maybe they make a run of the Sweet 16 or something. Um, Especially after having come out of a hole where we openly sat in this podcast. Look, he's only still the coach there because nobody cares about that program. Yeah. Then to go from that to this team is solidly in the top 20. Yeah. And then to go from there to, well, there's a little bit too much of a culture thing here to overlook. Credit to the Penn State administration for pulling the trigger there because they certainly got the reputation with the paternal thing of not being the type of institution that would do that, being the type that would protect themselves and protect their success over doing what's right. You know, they made and with, with all the other scandals that have happened or not have, that have come to light since then, they had already happened. You know, 
you've got to just be proactive at you, this you, point. You, you, well, you've got so. to err on the side of not covering for a really problematic guy. We say we, we say got to and have to. Did they really though? Because with all the other shit that's flying around in terms of scandals, this is something they probably could have gotten away with if they had wanted to. They probably could have gotten away with keeping Chambers as their coach, but they ended up making what's probably the right call and replace him with uh, Purdue assistant Micah Shrewsbury. He's got a rebuild on his hand. A good portion of a roster has portaled out. Um, Myron Jones, Jamari Wheeler, to Ohio State, no less. Um, Isaiah Brockington and Trent Buttrick are all gone. But he did convince their two best players to stay. That would be wing Seth Lundy and big man John Hara. It's sad. There will be no more sweet butt tricks in the mausoleum. Alas, alas. Um, He's got a couple of transfer landings already in Jaheim Cornwall from Gardner-Webb. Isn't that what you call a center that plays for Nebraska? Cornwall? Uh, (laughs) Um, You know what? I I wrote this a little while ago. I'm going to take a quick look really quick here and make sure this is still accurate because when I did this preview... They didn't have any prep recruits coming in this season. I'm going to make sure that's still the case, though, and that they haven't added any additional transfers. Okay, so they've got an unranked power forward named Giovanni Scott from Texas coming in. And when I say unranked, I mean he's not ranked, which is a difficult thing to do for a guy who... Neither ranked nor rated. Who has a power who is committed to a power conference program. Like that's well, usually they'll slap a couple stars on you at least. Actually, I believe, I mean, it must be a recent commit because Georgie Bishanishvili was the same way, but also he was out of Georgia, the country, right? This guy is from the United States. He, okay. So South Plains college, he's a Juco player, I believe. So mm. that could explain it. Um, okay. you mentioned Pickett and Cornwall, um, Pickett's probably the guy who's going to be taking a lot of their shots next season. If I had to guess, he's he should be a pretty high-impact guy as a shooting guard who can also handle somewhat. Um, they also added power forward transfer Greg Lee from Western Michigan. I do not think he's going to have the same impact for them that Brandon Johnson did for Minnesota. Uh, this, this is a strange roster situation. Um, they're only adding a few guys here. They don't really have a whole lot left over. I mean, this year, when you're matched up against Penn State this year, it's going to be Pickett, it's going to be Lundy, and it's going to be Hera probably shooting about 70% of their shots, if I had to guess. Yeah. I mean, well, let's just put it this way. Micah Shrewsbury has a hell of an opportunity to, to prove himself as a, uh, as a plus X as an O's coach here. He does, and and I will say this: he's got a it's a much sounder hire from a resume perspective than Minnesota made, replacing their own coach. Who again, they at least had something of a hand in the decision to fire him. Like Penn State's hand was forced to an extent here. Sure, again, as we mentioned, they could have done the irresponsible thing and just defied everyone's better sensibilities and kept Chambers, but they didn't. They moved on. 
in, you know, not the circumstances that you would like to be picking a new coach in, not that there are any of those, I guess you want your legendary coach to retire and then you get to name his successor or something. But you see, <laughs> normally you expect to fire a guy because he just sucks. You don't expect to fire a guy who has brought your program to its best place that's been in decades because of off-court stuff, which is what happened here. So Yeah, but the thing about Shrewsbury going to Penn State is this is actually, you know, depending on his personality type, this might be a good fit for him because he's going to make money. He's going to be in the Big Ten. He's got a big opportunity, but kind of he's he's got a while to set up his his system, set up recruiting, set things up the way that he wants them because it's kind of, you know, just don't be a complete and utter laughing stock, like a Rutgers Chris Ash football level laughing stock. Don't do any, you know, newsworthy racisms. Don't do any sex crimes and don't do any violence. That's kind yeah. of all you got to do there. And they'll be reasonably happy. Well, so, so for so a few years, I'm, I'm looking at the roster in a little bit more detail. So, those, they have those guys you mentioned. I forgot they do still have Miles Dredd. He'll be back. Um, Sam Sessoms is there as well. Our, everyone's favorite um, ASMR. ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's favorite ASMR name to say softly and firmly into the microphone repeatedly. Sam um, Sessoms. Okay, so now that's enough of an audio clip there that you can just click that like that four second thing and repeat it as often as you like that's free of charge for you folks that's what we call fan service oh god damn we got to get kevin harlan to to call the big 10 tournament so that we can just isolate clips of him saying sussums in his fantastic (laughs) kevin harlan voice we do uh so i guess what we're saying here that's overall penn state's guard situation they should be just fine but John Hare is going to need to play about 50 minutes a game if they're going to be any good up front. And I don't know what the plan for the future is because, again, they've they brought in a Juco guy and Giovanni Scott. Um, they brought in a transfer and Greg Lee, who I think is only going to have one year, if I'm reading this correctly. And I don't believe – let me take a look here and be sure, but I don't think they have any future guys committed yet. You know, I stand corrected. They have – a guy cut well, it's another guard. So they have a guy in 22 committed, um, but he's a guy out of a prep academy and it's a point guard. So they'll continue to have plenty of guys who can handle the ball. That's that's certainly gonna be true. But this is gonna be a team that takes a pretty considerable step back next season, in my opinion. I tell you what, though, I mean, Shrewsbury, for the reasons listed above, should be pretty comfortable there for a while. It's a shame that there are no, uh, you know, creameries of note in State College. Otherwise, you know that Shrewsbury would be at least the basis of at least three flavors. <laughs> Your source for big and talk. It's off tackle empire.